0: I'm Joel. I'm honored to speak with you all day. I welcome many of you joining us online. I'm glad we can offer this opportunity for you to join us at Heart City Church. Well friends, it's a new year and we're celebrating that Christ came in order to make all things new. So what does that mean for you and I as Christian believers, all things new? Or what can it mean if you're considering becoming a Christian? There's a delightful children's story by Hans Christian Andersen children have you ever heard the story of the ugly duckling the ugly duckling I'm actually seeing some head shake no okay it's a really sad story but stay with me because it's got a great ending it begins with a mother duck who's watching her eggs hatch one by one there's these cute little fuzzy ducklings have you ever seen a cute little fuzzy yellow duckling aren't they adorable But then she notices that one of her eggs, this large one, hasn't hatched. It's strange. And another duck suggests, oh, that's a turkey egg. You wanna abandon it because turkeys are ugly and they can't swim. But she's invested a lot of time, so she says, I'm gonna give it a few more days and if it won't swim, then I'll abandon it. A few days later, guess what? It breaks open and a big, ugly bird appears an ugly bird and she assumes, oh, this must be a turkey and she pushes it into the water, but to her surprise, it swims really well. So she concludes it must be a duckling, an ugly duckling. So this poor duckling begins its life and it is tormented by its brothers and sisters. He's so big and ugly that they bite him and they insult him. His own mother tells him that she wishes he was never born So he leaves home and he tries to move in with a woman who has a cat and a hen. But see, this duckling can't purr and it can't lay eggs, and so they call him pathetic. They call him worthless. So he goes off and decides to do life on his own. And he finds a little tiny pond for himself, but then the winter comes and the pond begins to freeze. And he paddles his feet really, really hard to try and keep the water from freezing, but eventually his legs get tired and his feet get frozen in the ice. It gets better, hold on. A peasant, a kind peasant comes along and sees him and he says, I'm going to save this little duckling. He breaks it out of the ice, takes it home to be a pet for his kids. The kids go up to treat it nicely and kindly to pet it, and it freaks out because it's never known such kindness. Starts flapping its wings, knocking stuff all around the house. Everyone's screaming and yelling. It slips out the door. And in the chaos, he decides he's got to leave. He cannot be a part of that. And he then spends all that winter alone and cold. Springtime comes. And one day as he's at his pond, he sees these beautiful white birds swoop in and land. Some amazing white swans have swooped in from their trip down south and landed in his pond. And this poor duckling feels so ugly. As he looks at them, he just wants to die. So he decides to throw himself right into their midst so they can put him out of his misery. So that's what he does. He swims right into the lake, right into the flock. He puts his head down and closes his eyes and waits to die, waits for them to kill him. But nothing happens. And so he starts to open his eyes and he sees something incredible he sees his own reflection. He is a beautiful swan. And all the other swans are looking at him with approval. He's no longer ugly and alone. He is beautiful and he belongs. Can you imagine his joy as he cries out, I'm a swan, I'm a swan! I think some of us older folks are more touched by that story than maybe even the children. Friends, there is an infinitely greater joy that you and I can know. And that is what Paul wants us to see when he tells us that the old is passed away and the new has come in Christ. Are you ready for the gospel? Amen. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles or in your bulletins, page 5, 2 Corinthians five ten to 21 Now hear the word of our God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are known is known to God. What we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not. About what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, all of our days pass away under your wrath, and we bring our years to an end like a sigh. So teach us now, we pray, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom and satisfy us this morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are thinking about all things being new in Christ this year, in 2023, and I want to put forth a question for us to consider. Listen, how great an impact has Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection had on your life? When you walk out of here and you go about your week, what is the impact of Christ's death and resurrection on how you live, how you think? What's the impact of his death and resurrection on your life? I think you ought to write that down. I I wrote that down myself. You see, how well we take in God's greatest kindness to humanity will change how we live and what matters to us. So much so that reflection on the cross and the empty tomb should lift our hearts up, our thoughts, so that we rejoice like the ugly duckling when he saw that he was actually a beautiful swan. And that's what Paul wants his readers to see when he tells them about how in Christ we are made totally new as we are reconciled to God and to others. And I'm excited about this. And I want others to discover this in 2023 because there are so many people all around us who need newness and who need reconciliation. I spent some time last week listening to some modern poets sing about loneliness. Do you know how many popular songs there are about loneliness, lonely hearts? One was Green Day's uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I remember that. Here's a few lines from it. I walk a lonely road, the only one that I have ever known. Don't know where it goes, but it's home to me. I walk alone. And here's the chorus. My shadows the only one that walks beside me, my shallow hearts, the only thing that's beating. Sometimes, I wish someone out there will find me. Till then, I walk alone. you find that depressing? It doesn't even rhyme. (laughs) Your only companion is your shadow. Do you realize this resonates with our culture? This video of this song had 687 million views. What feels like home for so many people around us is a lonely road, and they're absolutely clueless to about where it leads. Does that hurt your heart? But here's what encourages me, that line in there. I wish someone out there will find me. There are lonely folks out there who want to be found, And I know a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is out there seeking and saving the lost right now. I know some of you had no idea who Green Day was, so I'm going to hit you with a number one Beatles hit. Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been, lives in a dream. Waits at the window, wearing her face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? All the lonely people. Where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Let me keep on. Father Mackenzie, writing the words of a sermon that no one will hear. No one comes near. Look at him working, darning his socks in the night when there's nobody there. What does he care? And last line, Eleanor Rigby died in a church and was buried along with her name, nobody came. Father McKenzie, wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave, no one was saved. Actually, Lennon and McCartney have no words to encourage me here. You have a lonely lady and a pitiful pastor and the sorry sermon that saves nobody. So sad. But that's actually what Lennon and McCartney saw in their day. Most of the pastors in England and in Europe had stopped preaching the gospel about people's need for reconciliation with God. The churches in England and Europe were dying then. And by the way, the churches in America are trending the same way right now. Heart City Church exists to reverse that. And friends, I just want us to understand the starting point for all alienation, all loneliness, all estrangement starts with estrangement from God. God. All the alienation that manifests itself on the horizontal plane in broken relationships and families and communities or like the ugly duckling, right? Folks with identity crises, confused about who they are, wondering what's the point of their life. They don't realize they've been made in God's image, made to glorify and enjoy Him. They don't realize they've fallen from grace. They're in a broken world and God's wrath actually lies on them. They need reconciliation. They need preachers willing to tell them to turn from sin and self to good and God. That provides us with motivation in 2023, and that's our first word, motivation, the Christian's motivation. You see, Paul tells us that there's a day on the calendar that is fast approaching. Every day you wake up, And you cross off a day on the calendar and you're one day closer to that final day. Final day that will call every last soul on earth to account, whether dead or alive. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in his body, whether good or evil. See, human history has an end where we will stand before the great white throne and we will get what we deserve. Let me ask you, has that thought been on your mind in 2023? Have you thought about that? No, if you're exploring Christianity, you're not yet a Christian, you may say, I don't believe in that, Joel. And my answer to you, dear soul, it doesn't matter whether you believe it. I can say that I don't believe in freight trains despite all the evidence in Elkhart. No matter how strongly I believe that, if I go and stand on the tracks this afternoon, when the horn starts blowing, do you think that my belief is going to stop the impact? Do you hear the warning horn this morning, my friend? Paul's actually taking the warning horn that ends Ecclesiastes. He's quoting from it where it says, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of of all mankind for God will bring every deed into judgment including every hidden thing whether it is good or evil you cannot unbelieve God out of un- existing neither can you unbelieve the judgment day that we will all face before that great white throne and I'm blowing my horn this morning yes in hopes that you'll think through whether or not this ancient book what it says is true And not just listen to all the contemporary voices that whistle and say, don't worry, be happy. Don't believe me. Don't believe me. Read this Bible believingly and pray to God that he'll reveal himself. He promises he will reveal himself to all who earnestly seek him. Hebrews 11.6. Now for those of us who do believe, we have motivation here as well to respond to that warning horn. Paul says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Has the thought of others standing under the wrath of God been on your heart in 2023 yet? Paul is motivated by the fear of the Lord. It's why he seeks to persuade these Corinthians. And not by making a show of his status, his ability. He knows that actually the more he's flashy and all, the more it will detract from Christ's glory. So he writes, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is also known to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you'll be able to answer those who boast about outward appearances and not about what is in the heart. For we, if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Paul hopes that others know in their hearts Why he is working so hard to persuade them, why he doesn't care that he's unimpressive. Others look at him, you see, from a worldly perspective. They see him as a Jesus freak. Paul says, What we appear now, what we appear like right now has no lasting consequence. Actually 1 Samuel 16 7. People look at the outward appearance. What does God look at? The heart. The heart. And then Paul says this take this in. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We first saw fear of the Lord as a motivation, now we see the means the means. The love of Christ as evidenced by his sacrifice. Let me ask you, how much have you reflected on this in 2023? Out of love for you and I, Jesus traded his glory for our shame, his comfort for our misery, his safety for suffering, total control for complete torture, Torture to his death for you. He died, suffered horribly for you. I want you to take this in. The greatest unkindness that you can show to Jesus is to not believe in his love for you. The greatest unkindness you can show to Jesus is to not believe in his love after all he's done for you. Has anyone ever loved you more or better than Jesus Christ? Our love, it has its limits, right? Our love, it comes with conditions, right? We only go so far with some people. Not Jesus' love. His love is like an ocean without shores or a bottom. And it extends to his enemies. Jesus saw the train coming. And in love, he stepped in its path. And he took the full force of God's wrath on the cross when the sky turned dark, and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To quote the hymn, Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Is that the impact on your life right now? Demanding your all? Does the love of Christ control what we say, what we do, what we watch, where we go, how we live, how we work? It can be. We just have to take in His love. That's what we have to do. Because as you peer into the ocean of Christ's love, it will come to dominate your thoughts, it will move you to extremes. And you too, then, will be able to die sacrificially, to no longer live for yourself. You see, the love of Christ, Paul's point is, it has power. It's the means by which we can then live for him. He can make it so that his love will actually have the first and the final word in everything we say and do. Otherwise, we will be our own masters, and we're not good masters. We will live for ourselves unless we take in his glory, that Jesus... Came and laid down his life and was then raised from the dead. The blessed Holy Trinity, before it ever creating us, made a pact where they would send this Father, would send the Son to come save us, and the Holy Spirit would raise him and us from the dead into the new creation. And we can either live from the infinite love of the Holy Trinity that we sang about to start our service, or we will sing the song of self and live for the unholy Trinity of me myself and i I think that's more popular actually than the loneliness songs if you listen to the songs on the radio I pity our culture We have a culture that is completely self-absorbed, self-seeking, self-assured, self-promoting. We've even we're the culture that invented the selfie. Like me, like me, like me, like me, love me, love me, love me. Nobody loves me. I didn't get any likes, I'm an ugly duckling. Isn't that how many people how many people are like that today? Everything is about us and living selfishly in this culture. It's gotta be about me. Even as millions lament the road that they're on, not knowing where it goes. Their only purpose is to try and get what fun they can while they're on the ride, driven by insatiable desires to serve self. To quote Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? Please don't assume I watch Dr. Phil. I confess I caught this show once or twice. I don't actually think he's even really a doctor or very insightful. <laughs> But he stumbled on a good question, and all you have to do is write. The show it just seems like you invite people with really messy lives on there, and then they just throw up all over the set. And after all the mess is there, and then he just has this brilliant question. How's that working for you? And everyone's like, wow, what a question. The whole audience minus me is amazed. I, you forgive me for that aside and my defensiveness. But final futility is the best a life lived for self can offer. Even the modern poets get that. Actually, I was listening to Sheryl Crow on the radio the other day in the store. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, then why the hell are you so sad? It's because folks on the road to exactly there, to hell. Praise be to God. Paul says we're set free to live for Jesus, not ourselves. And there's something I think you need to understand about Paul. Paul never says, believe in the gospel, the good news, because of the benefits. Because you'll get heaven. You get to see your most loved ones, gold streets, mansions. Paul never does that. Paul never says, oh, you folks, you would change your mind if you were in hell and you saw what you're missing out. Paul never says that. Paul's not selling the benefits. You realize that would only be then about your self-interest? The ultimate glory in heaven for Paul is being with Jesus Christ, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is always holding holding out Jesus Christ and being joined with him who's loved you. You see, the risen Lord Jesus is the start and the center of the new creation and the resurrection life to come. Now Paul moves on to the marks then, the marks of the Christian, verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You realize Paul once viewed Jesus from a worldly perspective. He's just a Jewish rabbi. Actually, many folks still hold that same kind of view today. Oh, Jesus, yeah, he's a great ancient teacher with some pretty good lessons for us. Actually, most people I talk to, even unbelievers, have a very positive view of Jesus' teachings. That is not a mark of faith. Paul's point is that viewing from Jesus from a worldly point of view is of no value anymore. See, it's not what Jesus came to earth to teach us to do so that we could be good and get God's blessing. No, it's what Jesus did do for us. Because no human being could be good enough. On the cross, when he cried out, it is finished. That is Jesus finishing the last leg of a perfect human race. A race ran all the way to the end, loving God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength that none of us have ever done. And Jesus earned that reward, and then he calls you up on the podium with him to share the reward of resurrection life. And he wants to share it by the power of his spirit. I think it's worth remembering that we have no record in the Bible of Paul ever meeting Jesus prior to the resurrection. But Paul spent three years in Arabia with the resurrected Lord, and it changed everything for him. The resurrection is everything. You don't understand Paul if you don't think he's like, resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. You see, Paul sat face-to-face with the future of humanity. His own future, that would undo all his evil past. Believer, the resurrection of Jesus impacted Paul so greatly. he's like, "I'm already a new creation, even now in this body." The former murderer Paul. Seeing Jesus raised from the dead was, for him, like a peek at the final chapter, the final words in the story of the ugly duckling. You want to hear him? We read, "He was so happy and yet not at all proud. Then he rustled his feathers, curved his slender neck, and cried joyfully from the depths of his heart. I never dreamed of such happiness as this while I was an ugly duckling. And Paul knows that if he can be forgiven and joined to the risen Christ by the power of the Spirit, new creation is available to everybody. Everybody. If anyone. That's a promise that's available to all, there's no exclusion. So one of the marks of the Christian is we don't judge anyone based on outward appearance. The church cannot show partiality, favoritism. We can't form cliques here at Heart City Church based on race, class, education, shared interests, how we look and talk. We can't leave anyone out. We can't make anyone feel unwelcome. We can't be biting at them. We can't be talking about them behind their backs. That's what the world does. Right? Friends, we never view anyone as an ugly duckling because we know that every person we meet may one day be so glorious it will take our breath away. Think about that. The mark of the Christian is that we hope this about any person we meet and we want to persuade them. C.S. Lewis writes this, Remember that the dullest most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you meet, as if you met now, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are, in some degree, helping each other to one of these two destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals with whom we joke, work with, Marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors were everlasting splendors. Just last week I ran into a man who was actually very unlike me. and Actually, he wasn't very happy at the time I met him. But I keep telling myself, I've been telling myself this, a Presbyterian old guy I've been reading, anybody that I meet could be my brother or sister in the Lord. Anybody I meet could be my brother and sister the Lord. And God showed me this is true. As I watched this man, the scales fell from his eyes. He didn't understand the gospel. When I talked to him about that, he said in church as a child, he learned that being a good person would get him to heaven. He actually said, I've never sinned. I recently heard actually that at least 3 billion people right now on planet Earth have never heard a clear gospel presentation. It made me realize we need to be inviting folks to church, Heart City, in 2023. And I told him, this fellow, the better news, that salvation is a gift to be received because none of us have met the bar of God's standard and perfection by faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. And as he prayed that God forgive him and make him new, he began to bawl for the first time in over 30 years. He looked the same on the outside, but he had a brand new heart from God. And I look forward to seeing the rest of him all made new one day now in glory. That leads us to our final M, our mission, our mission of reconciliation. Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. My heart longs to see some reconciliation in 2023. Do you long to see that? So many around us are estranged in our day. Some, if not all of us here, we probably have loved ones we're estranged from, right? Can't hardly speak to. I've experienced so much of this in my life, I'm sick of it. And it hurts my heart. We see alienation between parents and children, husbands and wives, between friends, brothers and sisters, co-workers. How can alienation, how can estrangement come to an end when you have two parties against each other? One of them has to take the initiative to approach the other, or nothing changes. And friends, that is what God, the Father, has done in sending His Son, Jesus Christ. God took the initiative to reconcile men with God. And now he has tasked ambassadors like Paul and like me to share the news, the good news of reconciliation. That is the mission of the church. Ours is a mission of reconciliation. An ambassador that was actually a position of authority like a Roman legate. When an ambassador spoke, it was actually the Roman emperor speaking to you, which means when Paul spoke, God spoke. He was speaking on behalf of Christ imploring you to be reconciled to God. So my dear not-yet-Christian friend, I want to introduce you to someone. He walks with me, he talks with me, and he tells me that I'm his own. He happens to be my best friend. And he's also Almighty God. And that may be a scary thought, That's actually why Jesus uses unscary folks like Pastor Joel (laughs) to communicate his love for you. And he sees you and he knows your inmost thoughts. He knows all you've ever said or done. He knows your fears. He knows your misery. He knows your damaged goods. He knows your hurts that never heal. He knows your secret sins. He knows those past incidents that make your conscience tell you you're unlovable. He knows it all, but my friend still loves you. And I'm here to implore you to admit that you're in the wrong before God, to tell God you have not loved your Creator as you ought. You live selfishly with little to no thought for Him. You've cursed Him. You've hurt people you're supposed to love. Tell Him that you're on the lonely road and you need help. I'm calling you to ask him for forgiveness, to tell him that you're giving up on all your own righteousness and ask him to provide you that righteousness only available in Christ Jesus. I'm asking you to throw yourself completely on the mercy of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you do that today? And will you come to discover that all things can be made new in Jesus Christ? I'm asking you to step off your throne and bow before the throne you'll once fa- one day face. Will you be reconciled to God and His Son, Jesus Christ? Or will you put it off another day? And maybe find you've run out of time. And you'll hear these words at the throne of judgment. Your will be done. For eternity you get the sorrow of self instead of the joy of Jesus and the new creation. I hope and I pray you will step down from your throne this new year because I've got to end this sermon. I've got to land the plane. It's about 40 minutes. And I hope you'll not be like Agrippa who once sat on his throne and said to Paul in Acts 26, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? My answer to you is the same as Paul's short time or long I pray to God that not only you but all who are listening to me may become what I am except for these chains. We'll close with verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Much could be said about this verse. I'll land the plane. Let me just simply speak to any believers who may feel a little bit unsettled about the thoughts of judgment day. I'm going to quote Scott Saul's explains why judgment day is of no concern to the christian believer he writes on the cross jesus took the punishment that our sins deserve therefore thereby moving our judgment day from future to past we are already completely forgiven so we have nothing left to fear nothing left to fear good news amen Amen. let's pray heavenly father um Thank you for making me and everyone who has believed in your son new creations. We're more beautiful than the swan, and we're on our way to a glory that is far beyond all we could ever ask for or imagine. Thank you for this, and I ask and pray that we will think often on the love of Jesus Christ, seen in his death and resurrection, and that it might compel us to seek to persuade others, to pray for others, to invite them here, to show them our love, love that (laughs) comes from another source, the greatest love of all, the greatest lover of all, our Lord Jesus. Uh, For any who are yet, not yet Christians, I ask and pray that this day they may come to you, they may confess their sins, that they may seek you while you may be found that they may too come to join us in the glory so that we can celebrate our Lord Jesus and all he's done for all of eternity. Have mercy on every soul, I pray. Amen.